Hi, my name is Jamin. And I'm Rebecca. And this is Late, Late to, to the, the Watch, Watch Party. Party. Shh. The movie's starting. Jamin, focus up. I am focused. Anyway, I don't think anything new in my life guys we're a little bit behind sketch we are post um the downfall of america i'm doing a puzzle right now (laughs) i have all the pieces sorted and i have the border done what do you mean they're sorted jamin every real puzzler knows that you have to sort the pieces to do the by what system by what section of the puzzle they're in. Okay. That checks out. So, like, I put all of the pieces of, like, the figures in one pile, and I put all the pieces of the red background in one pile, and I put all the pieces of the green background with the scroll in one pile, etc. 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 Did I tell you, this is not about to be a boring story. I had a dream last night, and I won't bore you with all the details because I barely remember them, but I'll tell you two details. Mm -hmm. A pivotal plot point of the dream was that Roxy was stolen from me by Jeremy. Jeremy, your brother? No, I don't have a brother named Jeremy. (laughs) Jeremy, my neighbor (laughs) who's out to get me. Oh, old man Jeremy. Old man Jeremy. Plot point number two is that me and were in a relationship. (gasps) Oh, I don't remember the like all the details and the logistics. Just stop your crying. It's a sign of the time. I just know that we... That it sounds like you need to DM Nick. It was a good amount of the dream and it did get spicy at times. Fun fact, I've never felt that way. <laughs> Fun fact, none of this is getting cut. Oops. It, it, the names are stained. Oops. This is a tea podcast now. Anyway... <laughs> Okay, let's pull this intro together. This intro is a hot mess. Here's what, we'll, here's what we're going to do. Um, touch base. It's our Late to the Watch Party television roundup. Rebecca, I know pretty much most of the answer, but what have you been watching? What are you planning to watch on the telly? I've been watching Peaking Blinders you're, season six. And you're almost done, right? I'm almost done. I'm four episodes in. Yeah. I watched all four of those episodes back to back. Um... Cried. Are they like oh, one what? hour? Um, yeah. Is this the last season? Yeah. Wow. It, I mean, I have some critical thoughts about the script, mostly sure. like the show creators and the show runners. I feel like it just has gotten out of hand. I have a gripe with some aspects, but still pretty good, I think. Before you watch Stranger Things, before you watch Miss Marvel, you know what you need to watch? The season finale of Obi Wan. Oh, I watched it. Rebecca, <laughs> wait, haven't we? Have we not talked? About we this? haven't talked about Darth Vader and his mask being slashed up. We'll talk about it after this episode because I have a million thoughts, and most of them are about specifically that moment. <laughs> anyway, um, we'll talk about it after the episode. 
I have just started The Boys, and it is very mm-hmm. much like a superhero parody show, but that makes it sound like it's goofy mm-hmm. and lighthearted. It is rated no, R. No, it's like super Have you dark. seen it, Rebecca? I've seen one episode from season two, and every person that I know that has watched The Boys has asked me if I have watched The Boys. Gotcha. And given my track record of liking dark shows, I'll probably like it. So that's what I'm watching. That's what Rebecca's watching. This week on this episode, we watched the... Uh, did this come out in the, the 80s? 84, yep. 84. Um, it came out in the 80s. The 80s classic, The Goonies. The good old goon goon. We're back to a movie that neither <laughs> Rebecca nor I had seen. It was a good time, a good mm-hmm, summer mm-hmm. flick to watch. This was kind of... like I feel that this was a big episode for us. This is a... Like, a lot of people love this movie. It's a very, very iconic movie. And I think has a yep, wide yep. audience. Because other movies, like Fight Club is mm. is one of the, like, most popular movies, I want to say, of all time. But it has a very specific audience. And The Goonies is yes, very is. universal. So I'm excited to get into the discussion on this one. And I'm excited to see how people react to it how people feel about it it's been very exciting in these last few weeks seeing the podcast grow a little bit because it's so exciting it's been so fun to see to hear from people who i know that i didn't know were listening just like writing in to say that they're listening and that they're having a really good time with it and hearing from people like seeing that it's reaching people who i don't know that are maybe connecting with the material as well that's so exciting and i just heard from someone today that i've never met before but like we have mutual friends Mm -hmm. that i was telling rebecca about before the podcast that reached out because they were like i've i was raised in an evangelical christian home and i find a lot of salvation i love that phrasing i find a lot of salvation in film and so this podcast has been like really awesome for me keep up the good work and it was just like there's mutual friends. They could have heard about it through the grapevine and not specifically finding it in the wild. But still, it's like, that's not like sure. a friend of mine that like felt obligated to like give it a shot. That's not someone I asked to do it. Like they just connected yeah. with it. And um, I hope he's, I hope he's listening right now and I hope he's enjoying it. I hope that, I hope that he, you went and watched Goonies and experienced this movie to watch with us. But like, that's just, it's been really cool <laughs> to see the, the podcast start to get more of a reach. Very exciting. Very, very exciting. So without further ado, I'll cut up this intro into something that makes sense. My God. Without further ado, (laughs) let's get into the preconceived notions of it all. For the things you know and the things you think you know, these are the preconceived notions. All right, everybody, welcome to the Preconceived Notions, where we talk about our preconceived notions and we make some predictions about where we think this movie is about to go. I don't know if I should take off my headphones for your preconceived notions because I know so very little about this movie. I do think I know more than you. Okay. But I don't know a lot and it's all very spotty, but I think that what I have to say will spoil some things for you. Okay. So should I go first then? Yes. Okay. What I know about the Goonies is that I thought that the Goonies and the Gremlins were the same movie. Um like in the same universe or like just the exact like same movie when people said goonies i would just hear gremlins and when people have say you gremlins, seen gremlins no <laughs> I, okay that checks. i also thought that like gremlins and et might be the same movie also <laughs> okay 
<laughs> or like I thought that like the Goonies was the name of the pack of kids in the Gremlins. Or like that maybe they called themselves the Goonies. I There's truly quite thought. the cinematic universe being built right here. This <laughs> so, is crazy. Uh, everything I know about the Goonies, I learned when we pulled up the movie to watch it. And I saw, first of all, a pirate ship. And already I'm like, oh, this is an adventure, like fantasy world, like sort of thing, which makes me super excited. But I, I had no idea it was going to be this way. Um I don't know. I, I hope there's treasure. I hope there's pirates. I'm getting excited. This is one of my friend's favorite movies. She uh, loves it. Uh, so I'm excited to see what it's about. That's literally it. That's all I know. Maybe there will be some time travel. Um, maybe it's going to be like kids in the modern world and they kind of like go through a portal or they like find an old treasure map in an attic and right. they open it up and they're like teleported into this like high seas adventure right and sort of like narnia style almost so yeah that's that's my predictions what i'll say before muting myself is i really don't know a lot about the movie what i do know is just like vague images and like tiny concepts but it's like i really don't know any character names like what is the plot right. of the movie given what we just read on hbo max i feel that it's withholding quite a bit <laughs> and <laughs> they're playing this one close I, to the chest having said that this is going to be unexpected there was like a period in my high school years where we had i want to say like dish network or direct tv like we had like cable cable and we had like like your family DVR. Yeah, it was Whoa. crazy. Okay. Listen, it was shared, though, across the household. So if you recorded something a little crazy. Everyone saw it. But also, it. We, were all in our, we were all in our teen years, which is established on this podcast, was when things were getting a little bit more choose-your-own-adventure style. And this also <laughs> crossed over with the time where one of my brothers and his wife had to, like, move back in with us for a time. Mm. And they lived, like, out in the, like, disconnected garage and so there would be times that, like, stuff would pop up on the DVR that would be stuff they recorded, and then I would sneak and watch it. An example is that the first ever Harry Potter movie I ever watched was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. That was the first one you watched? The first one. Oh, and there was a few different movies that, like, I randomly caught. And I remember I watched, like, a chunk of the Goonies. Not the whole thing, but like maybe the ending of it. Mm -hmm. But because I didn't know what was going on, I wasn't super focused. And also what probably hasn't been established on this podcast is that my memory is awful to a concerning extent. <laughs> so like I really, that's where all of my like brief things I do know come from is I just remember like general images, but I don't remember anything pivotal. Mm. So I'm going to mute myself. Okay. So what I remember guys is I remember there is, I don't want to be disrespectful here, but there's that like person or creature. I want to say that he comes from the cave and he's kind of like deformed. And I think that he like starts off the movie where they're all freaked out by him. But by the end, it's like, oh, he's a good guy. Like he's actually like got a heart of gold. I know that there's like a whole cave situation at one point. And I know that... It's a group of kids, obviously, and I know that it's set in modern day. It's not set in the past. I know that Rebecca's wrong about the time travel and that it's very Stranger Things. Like, Stranger Things took a lot of notes from the Goonies, and I know that they, like, 
I want to say that it's, I think, probably them, like, discovering a map. And, like, the whole movie, it's played like, oh, they're kids, so they think it's real. But then it is real. I don't know. The power of friendship. I know that it's got, like, um, a little wisecracking Asian kid that, like, everyone loves. And I know the quote, Goonies never say die. But I don't know the context of it. And the, the phrasing of the word kind of confuses me. I mean, that's it. I really don't... I don't remember if there's a villain. Maybe the villain is the deformed guy. I rem- I don't remember much of anything from my viewing. I don't know if I have any predictions. I said to Rebecca before we started recording that this movie, to me, just really feels very summery for some reason. Like, very summertime. I... It feels very summertime. I know that it's, like, from the 80s. I know... I, I think that in this movie, the gang of kids is going to be a little crass. I bet they're going to be little wisecracking crass kids. And uh-huh. they say like butt jokes. And that that's part of why I, I it didn't cross my paths as a kid. I bet that there's going to be a similar phenomenon to E.T. Where either the adults are just not present in this movie. And you're like, where are their parents? <laughs> or... <laughs> They Or they take the exact note from E.T. And the adults are in the movie and we never see their faces. Okay. I think it's going to be good. I think I'm going to like it. I bet, prediction, I think that whatever map they find, they're going to find it in an attic. That's exactly what and I was picturing. You know the opening to National Treasure? When it's like storming and the little kid is in his attic (laughs) and he's like, and his grandfather is like, (laughs) and he's like, your great, great grandfather was a Templar knight. If there's one thing this many episodes in that you should know about each of us, (laughs) the thing to know about Rebecca is that she is a national treasure. Stan! I love Love that movie. movie. (laughs) You have no more predictions? Uh, I have All right, then let's get into the movie. Three, two, one, play. Spielberg? Oh, Sean Astin. That's a- Sean Astin? I did not know. I like that it stipulated- Josh, Josh Brolin! Brolin? Is he eating a saltine in the middle of a high-speed chase? Respect. Kathleen Kennedy. Chris Columbus. What the heck? This is like every big name ever. I'm just wondering how much work that contraption actually saves. Is his name Mouth? Yep. They are really good at just bumping into pivotal documents. (laughs) See, this is why I thought that all of these things were the same movie. It's because it's a bunch of kids on bikes. I feel like Chunk has some problems at home. The kid in the back seat has a lot of style. They're a non-binary royalty. I just like, I really hope that Chunk gets to contribute to the journey in more ways than just being the fat one. Chunk needs to get better friends. They are the best character. What is... I like that we've just agreed that they're (laughs) (laughs) non-binary. I don't see how anyone upstairs could not be aware of their presence. John Aston is the king of looking into the distance. You can see that this man playing the dead body is trying not to laugh. He really led with, I can describe all three of them. I trust Data to do it. I would trust Data with my life. That girl with the pixie cut is nothing if not a spiritual bitch. (laughs) She believes in anything and everything that is above us. 
She's like, those are wishes. <laughs> Don't mess with wishes, bitch. Daddy's money. That was the fastest police response there has ever been in the entire world. The Goondocks Police Department is really one of the best in America. This is an Andy hate podcast. My first instinct as well, if I'm running from bad guys and somebody's coming, is to yell, somebody's coming! A and A flat. That's not what A and A flat sound like together. That's a horror movie, two notes. A sharp and B flat are also the same note. Data's about to look into the camera and start complaining about the union. <laughs> it's like that scene in National Treasure where they light up the treasure room <laughs> and Riley starts crying. <laughs> That's from the Goonies? You're telling me she named him Sloth as a baby. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I like that once we left the parents, we, they, they weren't a B-plot. We didn't check back in with them once until we returned from the cave. Right. Discussion time. Hey, everybody. This is the summary part that we are revamping. Uh, we decided to do a summary from memory instead of just, uh, you know, redoing somebody else's summary just to keep it a little fun, a little fresh and put a little bit of a, a, of a perspective, a bit of a point of view on it. So uh, without further ado, here's what happened in the Goonies. Welcome to the Goondocks. It's a cloudy seaside town where everything is gloomy and the world is terrible. Uh, so first thing that happens in the movie is we have a very elaborate jailbreak heist and car chase. We see these criminal masterminds. There's, uh, hold on, I've got names. Jake, who sings and cooks and I guess commits crimes. Francis, who is loved. And Mama, who is a <laughs> terrible mother. And they are the fatalities. <laughs> Um, and they lead the cops on a merry chase throughout the whole town where we're introduced to every single character in this movie. Uh, here's all the characters that we're That's introduced true. to. Mikey, who has asthma and a wistful, far look in his eye. Brand, who works out. Data, who invents gadgets. Chunk, who is clumsy and breaks things. Mouth, who knows Spanish and is a scoundrel. Uh, and then there's two girls, Andy, who's a girl and is dumb, and Steph, who is a girl <laughs> who has unbeatable style, and she is not dumb. That's our cast. Uh, Steph <laughs> is the actual main character of the movie. We'll get into it. <laughs> we really love Steph. So um, Mikey's family's not doing too great. His dad's like a... a museum curator or something they've fallen on hard times their house has been foreclosed you wouldn't know it by looking at the house because it's not packed up in any way shape or form to move although maybe that's my ignorance on foreclosed houses but they're just like i guess leaving everything there um the, the gang the goonies they're they're all hanging out at the house and they decide to go exploring as like the destructive little boys that they are they go up into the attic they find a treasure map from one-eyed willie uh and the Mikey gives us like a 10 minute exposition about One-Eyed Willie and his entire story. Basically, he's a pirate um, from the area, I guess. 
Um, and they decide that, like, since summer is ending and Mikey's moving away, they're going to have one more adventure and they're going to follow the treasure map. And then Brand is like, no, for some reason. <laughs> I guess he has to, like, work out more or something. And so then they trap Brand and they tie him up to the couch and they all take off on their bikes. And they do the 80s kids on bikes things. And they go follow the treasure map. And then Brand escapes and steals a baby's bike and chases after them. And then they get to this old abandoned shack uh, that Chunk really doesn't want to go into, but they do go in and then they find the Fratellis who are hiding from the law. Uh, They run into them. It's honestly not that scary. Um, And Mama Fratelli just lets them go. Like, she's just like, argh! I it's hate very chill children. vibes in that crime house. <laughs> They're just like, bye. And so they leave, and then they meet up with Brand and the girls outside, and they're like, no, 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 we want the treasure. So they sneak back in, and then the Fratellis leave. They, they find a secret passage. Chunk gets separated from the group. The group goes underground. Chunk runs away, gets kidnapped by the Fratellis on the road. They lock him up we find out the fratellis have a third brother sloth who is like portrayed as a monstrous creature and then we find out he has a heart of gold uh chunk and sloth escape their room and are captured yet again by the fratellis this this movie's a little cyclical i'm not gonna lie uh they threaten chunk with with uh with torture and chunk just tells everything he's ever done in his entire life and ends with where the goonies went so that now we're all underground we're all looking for the treasure it's a dungeon crawl there's falling rocks there's trip wires there's sticks of dynamite there's skeletons there's quote-unquote sheet music um there's locks to walk across the fratellis catch up and then data has a gadget that gets them away um, there's dark caverns where people kiss. Um, Brand and <laughs> <laughs> Brand and Andy take every single moment they can to almost make out, but then not. Um, the sexual tension is super high. Steph is the only reason that they kept moving along that journey. Uh, there's a water slide and they finally get to the pirate ship. They go in. There's the treasure. They're super excited. Mikey finds the skeleton of One-Eyed Willie and has a really emotional moment that I don't know was earned from the script perspective. And then they all fill their pockets with treasure. They go outside. Ah, it's the Fratellis again. Uh, Mama Fratelli tries to murder Andy by tying up her hands and making her walk the gangplank. And then Brand immediately jumps in. And then it's followed by a 10-minute sequence of just everybody jumping off of the gangplank. Um, and then they go to <laughs> escape. They blow up the entrance with their elastic of dynamite. Sloth holds the rock. They all get out. And then also the Fratellis make it out. There's a lot of suspense that just doesn't really ever pan out sometimes. They go to the, like, Coast Guard cops. And then they call the families. They call the news. There's a, a very sweet reunion. And then they find the jewels in Mikey's pocket. Ah, uh, the house is saved. They tear up the foreclosure papers. And then they all turn around and watch the ship that has escaped the exploded cave, drift out to sea with the treasure inside, and everybody realized that it was all about the friendship all along. The end. Wow. Honestly, that was like pretty much everything that happened in the movie. That was a great I had a recounting. pretty good memory. Yeah. Um, you, Rosalita wasn't in the at all, which I'm realizing just now, she was largely irrelevant entirely. Correct. 
She was just there for the jokes like in the she, beginning, and then she found the Mikey's jewels on the ground. But it which didn't have to be we'll get into with we'll get into with my trivia. Actually, I have lots of trivia. Forgive me how I did it is I went through my different sources and I just screenshot them. That's what um, I do too. And I planned to then copy paste them into a note in an order that might flow really well, and I just didn't have time. So hopefully they just kind of make sense and they flow. The first thing I wanted to hit was this was the film debut for both Josh Brolin and Sean Astin. This was their first film, first Whoa, major motion picture. Mm-hmm. That's insane. That's yeah. crazy. That's actually really Which crazy. Which Josh Brolin, the, yeah. I forgot that he was in it from that opening credits when we were shocked. And then I didn't realize that Brand was Josh Brolin until we read it in the credits. I that was, was looking for him twist. the whole movie. Which now that I look at the clips, I'm like, that's Josh Brolin. I was looking for an But adult. it like didn't. So according to, according to Sean Astin, he was allowed to keep the treasure map that was used in the film. Aww. Several years later, his mother, Patty Duke, discovered it, thought it was just a crinkled piece of paper and threw it away. <gasps> So, a good follow-up, a good follow-up, that ha- that's not the first incident of that type on this project, because oh, no. the pirate ship that they used was entirely real. All of the shots were filmed in the ship. Um, after the film, it was offered to anyone who would take it. No one wanted it, so it was scrapped. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah. Not even like another movie wanted it. <laughs> nope. This is just one of those where it's like nobody knew what this movie would become. You yeah. Know? Wow. So another little fun fact. This one's about my boy Data. When rocks are falling from the cave ceiling, um, Ki Huey Kwan, who plays Data, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name. I should have looked that up ahead of time. I am sorry. Um, he screams, holy S-H-I-T. He said that he spelled the expletive because his mother made him promise not to use any bad language in the film. (laughs) That is the most singular, wonderful piece of trivia we've ever had on this show. (laughs) That is the cutest thing. (laughs) This also, this is about the swearing within the film. So first of all, shit or bullshit is uttered 19 times across the film, not counting holy S-H-I-T. <laughs> and the, sh- the swearing that's in the movie um, was deliberately and strategically placed so that it can be easily drowned out by broadcasters who wish to remove it. If you watch closely, it often happens when there is a lot of background noise, like the police car chase at the beginning of the film, or when there is running water or another loud source of sound nearby. This way, the broadcaster can cl- can lose the profanity in the sound mix or can cut a couple of seconds of footage without losing anything significant mm. happening on screen. Wow. Very clever. The clear play um, uh, designer loves this movie. This is their number one movie. <laughs> He's probably. like, they're never going to know. In the final sequence, when the police and reporters are asking the kids what they went through in their journey, one of the kids describes them fighting a giant octopus. <laughs> In yep. the final cut of the film, that line was left in there, but the scene of them fighting the octopus was cut from the final film. There was a scene of them fighting an octopus mm. and some other scene of them going to like a, a little mini mart to get supplies and they run into that bully guy and he like burns their map 
while he's there, which is why it's like burned on the edges oh. later on in the movie. There's like cut moments from this film that are like diff were like difficult to find. Like there was no um like unreleased cut. There was no director's cut that was released, but there was like on the broadcast version between a very specific set of years, it included those deleted scenes and then they weren't released anywhere. And then I think that they have hit the internet like as of 2020, like it was like very recently that they hit the internet and people could watch them. Um, It was like very like weird. Mm -hmm. And the original ending of the movie also was, it featured them like getting out of the cave, getting found by first responders and then meeting back up at Mikey's Mm -hmm. house where they're like packing up their house and then they find the jewels in his pocket Mm. and they specifically changed it to all happen at the end there. So they could end on a nice shot of the ship floating out of the cave (laughs) and I guess make Rosalita relevant. (laughs) So then this is about Rosalita queen Lupe Antiveros, who played the non-English speaking Rosalita was in fact U.S. born and spoke perfectly good English. Mm. She actually helped the script team with the English to Spanish translation of the hilarious lines said to her by mouth, and even helped him phonetically learn the lines during rehearsals as Corey did not actually know Spanish language, or at least as well as he appears to do within the film. Oh, interesting. So that's that's fun. He did do it very convincingly. Yep. I was like, so they hired a kid who knew that's, Spanish. That I nope. hate to say this, but I assume that that was the only reason this kid got the part. Oh, no. <laughs> we'll get into it. In the scene with the skeleton piano, I just wanted to read this trivia so that we all <laughs> know I was correct. Andy reads the musical notes on the back of the treasure map and comments that she doesn't know if one note is an A sharp or a B flat. Musically, an A sharp and a B flat are the same note. Guys, I am not being nitpicky here because her specific issue is what she's playing on that keyboard. This isn't some like technicality of, of sheet music. It's the same key. It's, it's the, the same, same button. It's the same exact one. She's hitting the same one regardless of if it's an A sharp or a B flat. They could have picked so many. They could have said A or A sharp. Those are two separate keys. Anyway. We're also, are we going to address the, the fact that the way that the sheet music was written... As a melody line, not a series. It had some chords in it, but it was not exclusively chords. It was several measures. There was so many measures and it was like a whole like line of music that featured some single notes. Yeah. And so it's like she played like four chords. Yes. So there was a lot there that I was just like, we'll just look past it. This is the last trivia fact and it's a doozy. Okay. So, Carrie Green, who played Andy, was 20. No. She's 20 years old. When she auditioned for the part, they thought she was perfect for the role in every way, except that she might be too old for it. They cast her anyway. And then this trivia fact reads, when Sean Astin, while Sean Astin could not have been more excited about kissing Carrie Green... She was nervous about kissing Sean Astin because of the age difference, but was more than happy about kissing Josh Brolin. Fun fact. <laughs> Just says that at the end there. Um, every day is another day. Every day is just another day that I hate filmmakers. Because I'm like, obviously she expressed discomfort with the situation. So I'm not holding too much against Carrie. I am holding some stuff against the people behind the camera yeah. who scripted that scene in general. Correct. And like I get that in I get in the context of the universe they are both children, 
they're both minors, but there's still a discrepancy in maturity and brain development in power dynamics. I also and it's just, have, I don't think that that's yes. funny. And also, it's not like the younger kids were 14 and the older kids were 16. The younger kids were like 10 or like maybe 12. And the older kids were like 17 or 18. And that is a Mm -hmm. 12-year-old. Let's just give them that and say they were 12 years old. A 12-year-old and a 17-year-old are completely different like stages of human being. I know. I know. We didn't like it in the in the movie either. No. And it's it's upsetting to me to know that in the real world, like she is fully legally two years into adulthood. Yes. And Sean Astin in no way was. Oh. And it's that's just disgusting. I'm 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 proud of how far we've come in in making sure that everyone is advocated for mm. and like boundaries are respected on movie sets nowadays. But overall, lots of fun behind the scenes stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I felt vindicated by the fact of they didn't show any of the kids the pirate ship until the actual moment that they shot it because they wanted to get a real reaction out of them. And then they did that. And then Josh Brolin yelled, holy shit, (laughs) at the response to it. And they had to refilm it. And I'm like, (laughs) let's flash back to the Alien episode when I said all of this nonsense of them going off script and not telling the actors to try to get an authentic reaction would not work for me. I would get, I would like, you're going to, they're going to respond in a way that's not appropriate for the scene. Or they're going to break You're going to get a real life response. And guess what? They are playing characters. Actors can act. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, guys. And if they can't, pass somebody who can. That's the whole... That's Hollywood, baby. That's the trivia. Very nice. We're going to start going forward. We're going to go through our kind of preconceived notions before we get into the official review to kind of compare what we got right, what we got wrong. We won't take too much time on it. And with this episode, we didn't really have the time to fully listen through those again to have them so fresh. But just off of memory, Rebecca, what were some of your notions that you got right? Um, So when I saw the pirate ship on the cover, I said something along the lines of, oh, my goodness, I hope. I hope there's high sea adventure. I hope there's pirates. I hope there's treasure. I was fully expecting like pirate ship, like kids care pirates of the Caribbean. Like, and that yep. was not at all what the movie was. Um, so I was wrong in every way. Nope. That's all that I remember is that I was <laughs> really wrong. I was I was wrong about a, I was right about a couple of things. They did find the treasure map in the attic. I think I think I s- I think I said they were going to find a treasure map in the attic. My bad. So, Jamin was completely <laughs> right because he called that attic situation. Well, I remember that I called the attic situation and I said that they were going to like, it was going to be a situation where like, they believe this thing and nobody thinks that it's real, but then it turns out it is but real. You were right about that. And that was kind of yeah. true. It was, it wasn't super, it wasn't portrayed, like the movie wanted you to believe them the whole time. True. It didn't play them up as like, oh, they're just kids and they're just believing stuff. Like it was well, like they, the movie never made you doubt that there was treasure. Yeah, well, they had payoffs so, almost immediately when they went off on their bikes and found those three rocks like right away. Yeah. So it was like halfway true. 
And then most of my notions was just stuff that I did see that first time that I saw parts of it. And a lot of them weren't aided by context. I knew about Sloth. And I knew that he, like, starts off scary, but it turns out he's good. And we have a whole tab de- dedicated to Sloth, because it's mainly questions on my end. <laughs> um, yeah, I, d- I don't think I, like, it was just a bunch of images that I was like, yep, that did in fact come true. I didn't remember, I didn't know that there was these, like, criminals also happening at all. Yeah. Oh, I predicted that we wouldn't see any adults, and that was a fat. Well, you know what? I was halfway right on that one, too. Because we did see adults... Um, but then they vanished as soon as the adventure started, and we didn't see them again until the very True. end. They, like, took a backseat. Did you like it? Did you have a good time? I had... It was a good movie to watch with a friend that you can commentate along and mm. observe together. I don't know if I was watching mm-hmm. this by myself if I would have finished it. Mm. And that was probably on me because I immediately set my expectations super high with the like pirate story arc that I was expecting. And then, and then when yeah. I didn't get pirates, I was like, let down. And But then I still was kind of holding out in the end when they like came across the skeletons. I was hoping that they would like come to life or something or there'd be like a curse that was lifted or like, you know, something. But they were just literally dead. They were right. all dead. This is... Another one where we feel kind of differently. I wasn't like head over heels for it, but I really liked it. Uh-huh. I thought it was really charming. I really enjoyed it overall. Good. Um, like I think even if I watched it alone, I would have enjoyed yeah. it. And so that provides for interesting discussion. Yes. So the first thing on our list to discuss, uh, we have six main points, guys, that we want to make our way through. And the first thing is the pacing of the movie slash general script of the movie. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, I think I I think the pacing could have used a little bit of a trim. Could have tightened up quite okay. a few scenes. I think a couple of scenes just needed to be reworked. Like just just maybe like streamline it. Like the whole like we're caught by the Fratellis, we're let go. We're caught by the Fratellis, we're let go. We're caught by the Fratellis, mm-hmm. we get away. We're caught again by the Fratellis. It was like, erg. Like, have it happen one, two, three. Have it either never happen so that when it does happen finally, it's actually super, like, you know, dramatic. Just all stakes were yeah. lost because of the amount of times that they kept, like, getting caught and then either just getting away or, like, narrowly. It, it would just... I, I just needed some stream, like maybe just a trim here, combine a couple of scenes so that it's not that like same thing happening a couple of times. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's really my only like note for the pacing is that it just could have been a little bit quicker for me. Mm-hmm. I think that it got going really fast, almost too fast because we were just like, what? Who are all these people? <laughs> Like, it was happening so quickly. My, like, probably one criticism for it, other than what you said, was just that there was a lot of, like... I don't think everything can be simplified into, like, show, don't tell. Because I think that there's a a good way to show and a bad way to show. And I think that this one sometimes did the bad way where it's just, like, they want you to see that the character is, like, a complex person that exists in this world and has a backstory. But they're throwing all these like inside jokes and like references at me that like are said so specifically that I'm like, 
I feel like I'm coming in on a sequel to something. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm jumping in and I missed the first part that like would make me get mm. that. But other like those were like small moments. Other than that, it was like we hit the ground running. We were establishing a lot through their dialogue. It was like summer break. They're all meeting up at each other's house. It was very organic. We like quickly threw in the whole like the town is getting shut down stuff. Mm-hmm. And they like are off on their merry way with the plot. Um, my Yeah, my one complaint was just that like. It hit like a lull, mainly at that like shack where like it felt like we just kept going back and forth and doing the same thing over and over again. It was very Mrs. Doubtfire of like the shenanigans was going on for too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then once we got into the cave, it stayed fresh enough that I don't think I ever really got bored once we got there. There was like maybe a couple spots where they had to like figure out the puzzle to the next part where I was getting a little Mm -hmm. bit bored. But I wasn't ever, like, it was mainly the shack that felt like it needed a big overhaul. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Um, Because they didn't get underground until literally, like, almost an hour in. Because that was when I checked during the recording. I was like, how much time is left? And I was like, oh, my gosh, this movie is almost halfway over and they're just getting under the fireplace. But Mm -hmm. it had started on such a, like, it started with the fake out of Jake committing suicide in jail, which was... A Whoa. visual that was you this never see that. This movie was very. I have again. I have very specific thoughts for our last point that a lot of this filters into. But like the movie was dark, yeah. and it was like again. I think that like eighties and nineties movies got away with a lot in a way <laughs> that people don't acknowledge when they talk about modern movies today. But it so it's like. Because it's like, there's other movies from my childhood that I'm like, I mean, we talked about Chitty Chitty Bang mm-hmm. Bang, which features like the assassination attempts of his wife who's in lingerie <laughs> and the child catcher and like just like all kinds of madness in yeah. those movies. Um, or like the entire concept of Cruella DeVille, the woman who wants to skin the puppies right. and wear them. I mean, it's just madness. But it was just like... The language, I think that this was a movie, I think that I'm learning as we rewatch these movies, like, there was very, like, yes, like, there is Christian America, and there is, like, this chunk of time that is kind of, like, going away, it seems like, where, like, Christianity dominated the media, mm-hmm. but I think that there's a genre of movies I'm finding that were very popular, that were coming out in the 80s and 90s, that were secular that were separate from christian values like beetlejuice like um the goonies like et where these movies were like not subscribing to those ideologies and thus were including like some language kids smoking like they were a lot more representing the less christian values kids in america we'll get to it when we get to it but like i do think that this is a movie that was still aimed towards kids I just think that it wasn't aimed towards the type of kid I was. Sure, sure, sure. And that's hard for me to wrap my mind around. (laughs) But the script overall, I thought it was like a nice, quaint, little precious story. I liked how simple it ended up being, in my opinion. I liked that it was very, it felt very focused on what it was trying to do and what it was trying to tell. It never felt like it got too big for its britches. I just disagree with you. Um, I think that, like, it did get too big for its britches. Um, I thought that the movie couldn't decide, didn't pick a lane, I guess, as far as kids movie Mm -hmm. or not 
kids movie and the way that like the fratellis were like you know mastermind gang who you know evade like tricked the guards evaded beat everybody up set a fire ring around the jail and then led through this high-speed car chase and then it ended with them like bonking into each other like a bunch of like 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 a couple of people in like those blow-up sumo suits like it ended up being very cartoonish and like the like pulling off of the shirt and it's like he's wearing a superman shirt i was like where did that come from like what genre is this movie so yeah i thought that it was a little all over the place some of the dialogue was like very cringy and then other times very snappy and then a way that a couple of the characters were written which we're gonna get into specific characters i just didn't like the way that they wrote that so i don't know if that's in like the character creation, if that was in the directing or if that was like in it from the very beginning of the writing. But yeah, that those are my thoughts. I think a couple of things. I'm just going to move the is this a kid's movie point to now because right. it just, just feels like it's thing. organic yeah. to come up right now. I still stand by what I said that I think it is a kid's movie. Again, I just think it's hard for you and me to envision because it's not the type of kids we were or were allowed to be mm -hmm. around. But I think for a movie to depict kids like this, like there were kids growing up in the 80s who were allowed to cut. Yeah, that's a good point. And who, who were allowed to have boyfriends and girlfriends when they were 11 and who were allowed to like smoke like in E.T. Like there was like... This genre of kid that I was not allowed to really ever be around and I was homeschooled almost to protect me from. Yeah, and it's like, that's a good point. those were kids that did exist. And so for me, I'm like, this is not a kid's movie because of what my standards were. Mm. But I'm like, again, I think this was targeting not the type of kid I was. I don't think that I was the target audience because I think that, th I think that this is directed towards... The kids that you no, see in this movie. No, that's a good point. Yeah, I definitely I see that. I also think, because I was almost annoyed with it at first too, but I came around to it where it's like, at first I was really, like, the dialogue I was, like, having a lot of gripes with, but I think this movie depicted children really realistic. That is true. Is my thing. The, there was, like, at the beginning, whenever, like, Mouth, like, looks over the sink and then the water just sprays in his face and he just stands there and takes <laughs> it, I was like, he could have moved. Or, like, Dado, when he, like, his little shoes, like, zip tie him to a, like, freaking trash can and they're pulling him very slowly. And he's just like, whoa. <laughs> and I was just like, you could have stopped that. But I'm like, I think of all of the kids in my life that do that. And I'm annoyed by it in real life, too. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that is how kids do. Like, they're just dramatic. They don't think so yeah, complexly. That's a good point. And they say weird and goofy things. And they don't consider the, like, full stakes of a situation when they're met with a criminal. And they're still making fun of each other. And so it was like, I like that really made me come around on some of the like issues I was having with the dialogue and stuff where I was just like, I think that when I accept that this is really like not a movie that's meant to like over fantasize for the children to project themselves onto, but just to straight up see themselves in yeah. and see like a crass little kid who talks like they do. Like that kind of made me personally come around on it. Okay. I kind of just no, I think off. that's a really good point. I, I, with that perspective, mm -hmm. I think I can definitely come more around to it that it is a kids' movie. I think I think that's very accurate. I think I am still mm -hmm. looking at it as like, I think a kids' movie means that there's no swearing, there's no inappropriate references, mm -hmm. and everything is happily ever after. So I think you actually raise a really mm -hmm. a really good point to that. I still. 
I still don't like the way the Fratellis ended. I wish that they had at least been like scary all the way through well, or something. The Fratellis was my other thing because I kind of agree with you there. I think it is another case of us seeing a trope in its early days when we've already seen it done over and over again. Because I can think of so many movies from my childhood where it's like the kids or the main character has like their little adventure that is its own storyline. And then there's also these usually yep. two or like a group of criminals that's also out to get them. I don't think you've seen Pete's Dragon. That's one of my favorite I Disney haven't. movies. I love Pete's Dragon. And Pete's Dragon has Pete's storyline with his dragon. And then just like completely separate is this group of like two guys and an old woman who are like hunting him down the whole movie. Home Alone features like a kid and the two criminals. Um, even Chitty Chitty Bang Bang has those two random criminals yeah, yeah, yeah. who are like or off Jasper to get the car and the whole Horace movie. in 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, Jas- yeah, yeah. Yes. It's like a, it's a reoccurring mm-hmm. trope. And I think sometimes it's played up in a way that's like, like I think in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang it's done well where it's a very side <laughs> thing and it's just like a fun thing. In this movie, they were played up like they were the main villains. And then by the time we got to the caves, they were more so just like, an added mm-hmm. conflict. And it's like, I thought that Sloth was going to turn out to be One-Eyed Willie, or I thought that there was going to be some connection yeah. there. And there wasn't quite the connection that made it make sense why they were in the movie. Like, I don't feel that their presence was quite, like, fleshed out or justified mm-hmm. enough. And then even at the end, they were there, Whenever they all were like being rounded up and they were like, no, Sloth is our friend, not them. But it's not like we saw some big moment of arrest or like, I'll get you and your little dog too. Like it was just kind of like they were just there. I would have liked to see the like the reason they break out and the reason they do crime thread into the search for treasure more. But it feels like it didn't feel like they were looking for the treasure. They just also wound up there because they were chasing the kids who they had no urgency to catch when they first right. showed up. Right. Sloth? Here's where... I, you can go first because I'm scared because this movie is iconic and I feel that Sloth is probably part of that iconicness and I have kind of negative things to I say about Sloth. I have almost all negative things to say about mostly the people who wrote Sloth. Okay, yeah. Um, Pop off, queen. First of all, um, I do have two notes about sloth. The first one was the sloth man scene, question mark, and then that's a no from me. And then, like, 15 minutes later, Chunk met sloth. And I wrote, sloth feels very out of place in this movie, although he is arguably the kindest, and then I got C-H-A-R into the word character, and then... I a big dash and then a mouth kiss in all caps. This movie needed to calm it down with the kissing. I just feel like maybe it was the irreverence of all time that film has had for characters that are like either have a disability or are like, you know, disabled in some way. Um, But this literally felt like Quasimodo was put into this movie And then for what? Like, what was the point? Was it to be, like, the dark past of the Fratellis? Because we already established they were, like, crime lords or whatever. And, like, he's chained up, clearly has a very simple mind, is horribly disfigured, 
why did his ears move? <laughs> the worst, worst of, of all, all, his ears moved. His eyes blinked independently of each other. But then, like, he could talk, and he was, like, outsmarting them at the end. And then, like, he was the reason they got away. And so it was just, like... Every time he was on screen, I just felt like something was very deeply wrong and offensive. I just, like, couldn't exactly put my finger on what or why. But, yeah, it, it just felt super out of place. At, like, just, like, the wrong movie. Like, it felt like he was in the wrong movie. And then by the end, it made a little bit more sense with how, like, kooky it got, I'll say. That Sloth didn't feel as out of place. But it it was weird. I, I just felt like it was strange. It, I don't know. All of the ways that it could have been used and like almost should have been used, it just feels like it didn't live up to any version of it to make it make the most sense and click the most mm -hmm. in the story. Again, I feel that Sloth is like a beloved component of what people love about oh, the Goonies. No. <laughs> like I get, it seems like there's a connection between the fact that Chunk and Sloth connected because they are both like, harassed right. by their people and both like made fun of and underestimated but it doesn't feel like that was used to its no. full potential and the points where it was i'm still confused by the superman moment so weird. i don't understand that scene that at all was so weird. i get that in that like someone like the composer or the producer someone who worked on it like worked on the first two superman movies and like the superman theme like plays when that moment happens but it's like, but in the movie... It's not like the kids were like comic book nerds or like superhero nerds or one of the characters was making superhero references the whole time. They rip off his shirt and he's wearing a Superman shirt and then the criminals are like, oh no. <laughs> and it's like, what, what happened? What changed? What was the... I don't understand. <laughs> so like, the scene was weird then and I tried to see if anyone was talking about it. I don't, still don't get it. And it just felt like his, because none of those like options of using him, I feel were used to their fullest potential. It does feel offensive. It just feels like he's there. And the thing that makes it crazy that he's there is that he's yeah. deformed and that's it. I like, I get that. Like he like leaves his own family and becomes a part of Ch Chunk's family at the end. I guess I just didn't get the point within this story. Like, it didn't feel like, there, like, it feels like for there to be such an out-of-place character, there needs to be a point, and there needs to be, like, it doesn't have to be some grand yeah. point. It doesn't have to be super complex and super deep, but it's just, like, it didn't feel like it, like, there wasn't a legend that the town has of, like, this freaky thing, and all of them right. don't like He's it. he's not like the town boogeyman that turns out to be a really nice guy. He's just... right. There's like a million cliches they could have used and they just didn't any use of them, any of them. Like he was just like he wasn't referenced at all before he showed up and then he showed up, which is, again, why the whole time I was like, oh, that's the pirate. Like he never left the cave. They said that he never left the cave. I thought from what I had seen, I remembered there was the sloth guy. I thought he came from the caves. So I was just like, oh, he's just like, oh. with them. see, that would have been super. Exactly. It's so it's just like. Yeah, I think that the he made me feel the same way Quasimodo made me feel, which is just kind of like, I thought yeah. he was precious, and I yeah, just felt so. sad. <laughs> I was, and you know, like the guy who played him did a great job. Yeah, and like I thought that he was fun at times, but it's just like, it's overridden by like the lack of use of him makes him feel kind of offensive yeah. in a way. So those are those my, are, thoughts, those on are my thoughts on sloth.
I would like to talk about before we get into the specifics of Chunk. Um, just the actual cast of characters and their performances. Mm-hmm. Especially as a start out for Sean Astin. I thought he did a great job. I thought he was job. awesome. I think I really liked all of the kid actors. I think that I feel that you have negative things to say. So I'll just say this. That Mouth, I think, out of all of them was maybe the least... Like, I feel like I feel like Mikey was a standout. Data was a standout. Even Chunk had a lot of standout things right. going on with him. And, like, Andy was a standout for negative reasons. <laughs> Steph is... Oh, my God. Oh my God. Brand, I feel like, was such a... Like, Brand, I feel like, was such a fun and fresh take on the older brother. Like, he was actually caring for his brother yeah. the whole time. Um, and so, like, Mouth, I think, had, like, the least going on and was the most tropey. Yeah. So he's more at the bottom of my list for those reasons. But I didn't dislike him. I get the sense that you disliked him. <laughs> I mean, I did. But, like, at the same time, the way that they were super annoying is how little kids are actually annoying in real life. So I think that, if anything, the kids it did, is. the actors did a great job playing their characters mm-hmm. very naturally because... They made me feel the same way that I feel when I'm around actual 11-year-olds. I thought that... I can't believe that the guy who played Data didn't do, like, a billion projects between then and now. I can't believe that he, he was like... so good! Did only a few things. So precious! So good. I, I don't have as many strong things to say as I do about Chunk, but I didn't appreciate... I have it in my notes. The reoccurring gag of them not being able to understand yeah. him. Yeah. Especially when he was speaking English and like even without subtitles, I felt I could understand. No, he was him. completely understandable. And I feel that like I don't like it just felt like a racist thing. Like if the kid like if that's the joke the kids were making, that's still yeah. racist. And if they wasn't, it was written into the script to like make it so that they the, there is like fireworks happening right outside my window. Sorry guys. Yeah, I didn't catch on to it for a while, but then like it was like when he was in the cave and saying things and they were like, What did you say? And I was like, He is saying booby right. trap. Like, what are you guys talking about? And that started to annoy me. But I thought he was, like, added so much variety to the group with his gadgets and gizmos. The way that the kid played him was so much fun. He was so likable, so much fun. I have only good things to say about Data. I loved him. He was so What a precious. wacky little guy. He was so precious. Um, Andy was unbearable. <laughs> she was the worst. Andy was awful. She was just a, a, a dragging the whole group down. I thought the way that she left her little douchebag boyfriend, she was about to come and be all liberated. But she was just constantly stressed, had no idea what to do. Like a like a pebble would move and she would be like, guys! Uh, oh she was my so God! And she would just like dumb. pass out. She was so scared. She was so weak. She was so pathetic. How does Steph keep her around? Steph. <laughs> Steph, I feel, I haven't checked, but I feel if I checked like the Reddit forums, I feel like Steph is a fan hated. Like, I feel like everyone is like so annoyed by Steph that they like wanted her to be that way because she's constantly like, no, guys. Oh my gosh, this is so much nonsense. We shouldn't be doing this. Guys, we were forgetting about this. Steph is my favorite character. Steph was the voice of reason. And for whatever reason, <laughs> Rebecca and I decided upon first image of Steph that they were non binary. <laughs> Because we kept referring to them with they, them pronouns. And even now I'm still doing it. <laughs> it's a, it, Steph is a they, she kind of yes, situation. Yes, yes. 
but she, <laughs> she i don't know it felt like we needed a voice of reason it felt like we needed someone to ask those questions and say those things and the whole time i maybe it's just because we were so annoyed at kids being kids but we were like good question yes, steph good steph, question steph, steph was asking the right questions i also felt that the like high school bully that whole subplot was random yeah it was only used like for like two gags so it wasn't even like an actual subplot my least favorite of which is when the toilet exploded and he said daddy i would just like to point out that he was pooping with his underwear on because when you're rich you just change him out after every <laughs> bathroom trip oh yeah and his dad was the one who was like buying the town that was not established till the last scene. It was like, surprise, everyone's related. Everyone that you've ever seen is related it, to each other. It, the bullies are here. It feels like there's a lot on the cutting room floor for this yeah. movie. <laughs> Sorry, I keep checking Do my phone. My more... sister-in-law is currently like in labor um, for my nephew. <laughs> Do we need to put it on pause? No, I mean, the baby's not delivered. I'm just like, every time I see a notification, I keep checking my phone because everybody's like talking in the family chat and everyone keeps like harding the updates. And then I think that more is being said. So what was the point of the mom's arm being broken? Was it literally just to justify her hiring Rosalita? I don't remember them ever saying anything about it. Okay. Let's get into the chunk of it all. So, the joke with Chunk was tired and also just, like, not very funny. Like, at all. It was brought up or addressed in, like, every single scene that he was in. And he was the... He was, like, every single stereotype of, like, the quote-unquote fat character always like that's all he was like he was like all of the negative stereotypes like he was dumb he was clumsy he was always eating or talking about food or complaining he didn't have food he had like a superhuman smell for food right right he was weak he wasn't brave like every single like terrible stereotype that media puts on bigger people like that's all that chunk was and his freaking name was chunk like come on it was it felt very hurtful like i felt hurt (laughs) for chunk like i just wanted him to get a freaking break or like have a moment of like something and it wasn't even like oh he was the hero in the end like sloth was the hero in the end and and like so it's like he didn't even get like the stereotypical like oh he finally has one moment where he does the right thing you know what i mean like he was just it was just harmful and it was sad and i didn't appreciate it because it was punching down the whole time yeah and it was just it just i said it so early on i was just like if that's gonna be his thing that he contributes to the group like that's just very disappointing because they all had their thing mike was the adventurer and the investigator and mouth had his like spanish speaking and um data had the gadgets data had the gadgets steph was the voice of reason andy had the music notes like it was like they all had something 
And Chunks literally was just that he eats things. He was just and a he's fool. Fat. And and he's a fool and he's scared of everything. Yeah. And it's like I get that in the end, yes, he does the hero thing, but it doesn't feel like if that's the commentary you're going for, like none of the characters acknowledged that they had mistreated him. No. Like none of them, like it, it wasn't part of some like proving wrong. Yeah. Especially, I just think it is immoral. I just think it's, yeah. it's so sad to cast a child in a role like that. Yeah. And to make part of the reason they were cast is that they were fat and you're going to play on it. Yeah. To be clear, the fact that Chunk is fat is 0% of the problem of his character. It's the fact that they made the fat character the one who is always eating, is just obsessed yeah. with food, and is stupid, and is um, scared of everything, and it, like and is not brave. Like, yeah. it's just like... That, like, that hurt me, yeah. and it made me feel very sad, and it was just like... I agree that the casting of that actor in that role could have been great, but it's the name, it's the constant jokes they're making about him, it's the jokes that the movie makes about him, yeah. it's the qualities that they put onto the character, right. and it's just like, they wrote that character to be fat. Like, they didn't write some, like, skinny kid who's just, like, randomly eating all the time. Like, they wrote it to be a fat kid, and it's just like... That did not age well. And I get that, like, that that is a reoccurring trope and that that is historically how Hollywood has always treated fat actors yeah. uh, is, is for them to play the exact role that Chunk plays. Right. I just think it's another layer of offensive to me when you make a kid play that role. Yeah. Because, like, this is me totally making an assumption, but, I mean, he stopped acting. And, I mean, he seems to be doing well and he's a lawyer and he's not, like, down on his luck and hates his life and depressed. But it's like... Right. That could have been the reason is that he went into acting and then was like, had all of that put in his head. And it's just, I think that that's so disappointing. And it was just like, every new scene with Chunk was a new scene that I was just like sinking and just like, ah, yeah, this is all he's bringing to the table. Really? Like, I like the actor was great and was funny and was like, had a lot of energy. And like, there were several moments that I did think were funny. But they were more like that actorisms than they were what was in the script for the character. Yeah. And I was just like, I would have loved to have seen him do more. Like, again, like the stuff that was there of him, like constantly crying wolf. And like this time he's serious. And it was like, that's cool. But like, it didn't feel like that went anywhere. It was literally just like this time every, he was it was just like, it was just all of these terrible attributes in a person bundled up and then like, just hit with a slapstick the whole time like it just it, it was everything everything he did was him suffering some sort of consequence because he was either incapable less than or just an overall detriment to the whole group even when he wasn't with yeah. them like he gets caught and then tattles on them like right away without putting up any sort of a fight it's like mm -hmm. yeah and if you're a person out there who loves that character, or if you are a fat person who sees a lot of, like, validation and connection to that character, that's a totally different perspective than we have, and that's totally okay. This is just two people's viewing <laughs> of it. I, I think that characters like that, when I was in very uh, formative years and was getting heavier and heavier by the day, were characters that made me seclude into myself and not want to acknowledge that I was getting heavier and be mm. scared and ashamed of it. And so it's just like, 
I'm totally open to the fact that there's people who have very different experiences with it. So this last point was a point I added. So I guess I'll start on Yeah, it. go for it. But these are my concluding thoughts Bring us in. on the Goonies. Bring us home. I just put the nostalgia of the Goonies because I think that something kind of controversial statement. I don't think that the movie holds up as well with age as other classic movies. Because I think that so much of the love for this movie, from what I found online, is that this was so many people's childhood movie. Mm -hmm. And specifically, like, I think if you showed this to a kid now, they would not find it nearly as engaging. Mm. I think because this movie plays on the specific experience of kids of the time. And I think that my childhood was at, like, the telltale end of it. Like, my childhood was still filled with so much technology. But, like, kids in the 80s, like... So much of their connection and socializing was done by just going to each other's houses, by meeting up on the street, by meeting up at the park. And, like, I remember being a kid and, like, like convincing myself that I had superpowers or that I had discovered the missing key to a mystery. Yeah. And, like, you, like, you so feel that it's real. Yep. And that was me, like, at the tail end of it. Like, I still think that kids are connecting with each other and are coming up with all kinds of scenarios. But I just think that back then in the 80s when it was almost entirely dependent on you and your imagination, it was a different time. Yeah. And, like, I was seeing people talk about, like, that they were like, this was me. Like, I would read the newspaper and be like, I'm going to solve this mystery. And me and my friends would ride across town. Like, this was literally their lived experience. Yeah. And so I think to watch a movie that, like, it that's what, part of what I meant by it never gets too big for its bridges. It doesn't go the full whimsical route. It's never some mm. magic thing. It's literally, like, they find the thing and they do find the treasure. Yeah. And there's criminals along the way. And it's, like, this whole quest that they go on as this friend group. And I think that it felt so probably, like, I think that the kids of the time that watched it connected with it so viscerally that they're like, this movie is amazing. This like, was people my adore it. Yeah. People do really love this movie. And I, so that's not me saying that it's bad, but I think that it is so specific about its time period that it, it's not universal. I don't think it carries to the next generations yes. as much. And so, like, for those reasons, I still loved it and I liked that, the, like, I respected what it was doing. But even then, it didn't fully capture what my childhood was. Like, my childhood yeah. was a decade later yeah. and was, like, at the tail end of things like what you see in this movie. And so, like, like there was less meeting up with your neighbors and there was less, like, there was, the internet was coming out for the first time. Like, right. Not to age us for all the high schoolers listening, but like that was a new that was a new thing when I was a kid. I just like hear I, I just can see everybody that's like over like thirty listening to this and being like, You youngins don't know life without the internet. <laughs> I know, I know. I I I try to be as casual about it as I can because I always personally get really annoyed when anyone who's like marginally older than me is just like you are so young and like, oh my gosh. And I'm, and they're like, back in my day, we had to like look things up at the library with a book. And I'm like, good that we advanced. <laughs> like, yeah. And wasn't that super inefficient, Steve? It's not bad that things changed. And like, that's how I feel about younger people now. Yeah. And it's like, it's always just like such a stupid conversation. So I never try to be like, you were born in 2004. Everyone shut up and move So anyway, on, that's my like. that's just my thoughts is that I still liked it and I thought it was charming and precious, but I think that I think that the reason that people who maybe watch it 
like now don't connect with it is because it is it is not made to age with time like it is not timeless like things like jurassic park or like jaws or et even yeah like it is very specifically about like a play style and like culture of a very specific time period yeah and i do think rewatching it with a modern eye uh, it I can only assume that nostalgia is what carries this movie as like iconic and classic versus like, wow, they were the first movie to do this or it was the first movie to do that. It does feel more like it was a summer hit. People really related to it. They loved it and they've just continued to love it because they liked it when it was when they were a kid. I just don't think anyone who says like the Goonies is their favorite movie watched it when they were. 25 and it was in the 2000s you know what i mean Correct. like it's like Correct. they watched it when they were a kid in the 90s. and it was like of the time <laughs> yeah. any straggler thoughts on the whole on the whole situation on the on the goons it felt a lot like a D one shot the whole plot oh it really did like all the characters come together they all have like the stereotypes or like their strong points or whatever like it being with the in the 80s really aided that but they like they immediately like they find the plot hook with the with the map and then they go to find it and then there's the recurring like villain who never whoa I just hit the mic that never you know really gets them and then they find the pirate ship and then it all concludes at the end and they have like the dungeon crawl Mm -hmm. like hour where they're you know setting off booby traps and they're figuring out puzzles like the whole like piano thing and crossing logs and some of them are slipping and some of them aren't like it felt Mm-hmm. It felt very much like uh, Chris Columbus played D&D one night and then was like, this would make a great movie. I, yeah, that is that is a great observation. I think my only straggler observation is <laughs> I'm still perplexed by the presence of the of Mikey's dad in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Like he like was just mentioned and then we are introduced to him in passing his role as an archaeologist is, like, very central. Like, And, like, whenever they get served the papers from the, like, guys about the house, Brand is like, it's dad's business. It's dad's business. It's dad's business. Like, it's all very intense and serious. And I'm like, the dad was in this movie for, like, 60 seconds of screen time. Like... There wasn't, like, some, like, estranged plotline. There wasn't some, like, deadbeat dad plotline. Like, it was very... His presence was strange. And I really liked the ending. I liked that the pair... I liked the family dynamics in this movie. Like, I liked that, like, the brother was actually a good brother. They were, like, picking on each other. And they generally kind of didn't like each other. But also, like, just in a sibling way. But, like, they did also love each other. And I liked that, like the parents weren't out of touch and we had so many fun interactions of the parents like loving on their kids and like the little interaction between data's parents i cried i literally teared up out of just a, just a just a side swipe just a, just out of nowhere <laughs> we just cut over to data's parents and he shows that he made a little invention too and then he says you were my best invention <laughs> 
I was so emotional, was so good. So sweet. And then I don't even remember what Mikey's dad said. It was in the shadow of what Dana's dad said. <laughs> it was trying to do the same thing, and I was like, "Don't even try to one up." Stop. Don't even try. Stop. Oh, it's just yeah. Like I, I liked, I liked those things. I don't have anything else to say though. That's uh, all um, I got. Okay, let's get into the parental guidance of it all. Uh-oh, might want to skip ahead. Or grab your parents, because this next section requires some parental guidance. Hey guys, I am, a, I am one of the hosts on this show, and I know what's going on. Right now, we are at parental guidance. Jamin, <laughs> what, if anything, in this movie... Do you think your parents wouldn't have liked slash why haven't you seen the movie until now? I think we touched on it earlier. I think we cracked a code. I think that there was a general genre of film that this movie falls into that did not make it to my television screens like Beetlejuice and like this movie. Yeah. The language, I mean, it was not, like, one word that was slipped in there. Like, it, like the live-action Grinch has a curse word in it, and it's, right. like, snuck in there. Like, this was not that. There was persistent S-words, specifically. Yeah. <laughs> and the way that the kids are kind of disrespectful. Like, I feel like the children, as depicted in this movie, were very worldly, very yeah. secular, very... Um, you know, talking about slipping her the tongue and being crass and yeah. talking about nude pictures. Like, it was, like, all of that stuff. Yeah. A no-go. And then, like, I don't think the plot was necessarily bad. I just think it was, like, the way that the kids just, like, generally were. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was just, like, the general depiction of the children. I, but it's another one of those where I'm just, like, I think because of the type of movie this was... It existed in a different world than what made its way into my household. Like, Mm. I don't remember it being banned, and I don't know if my parents even knew about it. Like, my mom didn't know what Beetlejuice was till I recently told her. Mm. Like, I just think that it didn't cross our path because of the culture we were in versus the culture this movie was in. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, uh, Definitely for the same reasons, if this ever did cross my parents' path, which, I mean, it came out when my parents were in their mid-20s. So they might have even missed it the first time around just if it was, like, marketed as a kid's movie. Yeah, like, I mean, I said before this even started that I thought that this and Gremlins and E.T. was, like, all one movie. So, like, clearly this movie was not on my radar. Um, This wasn't like we asked... It's not like Mrs. Doubtfire where we, like, specifically wanted to watch this movie and was shut down. Um, But for all the reasons that you said, it would have been off limits the language the sexual innuendos the general like crassness and also i feel like sloth would have crossed into that like weird territory that was always off limits for us like the grotesque Mm -hmm. i should say territory that was always off limits for us kind of like a like i said like a monstrous character um so yeah yeah for those reasons it was out of the picture (laughs) What's the next segment, Rebecca? Uh, the next segment is Thoughts and Prayers. When times get tough, we offer Thoughts and Prayers. 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 
Hey guys, welcome to the Thoughts and Prayers segment. This is, <laughs> this is a segment where we always wind up on a tangent in between segments. And you you just, like, talked about Peach um, Dragon for longer than our entire parental guides recording. Um, the clock is going at five minutes that I've been talking about the plot of Peach Dragon and the <laughs> adult content in the lyrics. But that's not a conversation you guys are privy to. Rebecca hasn't seen Peach Dragon, so that, that whole movie could pop up on the podcast when we're oh, running true. out of content. Who knows? Um, this is the segment of the show where I don't think we introduced parental guidance. I think we're just getting... Yes, I did. should know. Did you? Yeah. It was all just so brief. <laughs> the thoughts <laughs> and prayers. It's, I'm this is succinct. The, this, is the, this is the segment of the show where we offer up... It's a little comedy segment. We offer up thoughts and prayers to different characters, aspects, concepts, groups in the movie. I think you'll catch on. I'll go first. Mine, I never go in okay. order of the movie. I go in order of what I think are the weakest to the strongest. Oh, same. Absolutely same. Um, so my first thoughts and prayers is for the E.T. puppet that was ripped apart and repurposed to be Sloth's headpiece. Um, and that's why the ears moved, because it used to be his eyes. Rebecca. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> It wasn't as much as E.T. and it wasn't all the time, but there was some moments where I was like, okay, he's unsettling to look at. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I don't want to keep looking at him. My first thoughts and prayers goes out to the cut, the very clearly cut musical number of Mama Fratelli singing Little Girls from Annie after she kicks the kids out of the shack. <laughs> and then she <laughs> leans against the door and says, kids... <laughs> And then I, it was like, I was expecting it to go, ha, 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 ha. And she's like, little girl, little girl. What's your next one? My next thoughts and prayers are for Mikey's inhaler, uh, who gave a gold medal performance of unlimited puffs and then was yeeted into the harbor when Mikey found his inner confidence. <laughs> When when Mikey cured himself of asthma. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mikey met at One-Eyed Willie and was like, I don't need this anymore. And threw his life-saving medication into the water. It was I insane. hate when I just come down with asthma. <laughs> That's what his mom says. I think Mikey's coming down with asthma. As if asthma's like a cold you can catch. That's not how that works. My next thoughts and prayers... Just goes out to, this is how it's written down, to Andy, who is a helpless as a baby bird. Honestly, <laughs> how does she, she survive? She bops from strong man to strong man, and her brain can't process the concept of doing anything else. I think she just needs to get in some music classes, because once she hit that piano, she was like, everyone step the fuck back. <laughs> I know what to do. <laughs> I know what to do. But then clearly she's not doing well. She had to decide between A sharp and B flat. I'm still <laughs> <laughs> had a meltdown about it. You know what? I hope I hope that one day she realizes that Steph was her knight in shining all armor all along and they end up together. Rooting for Andy and Steph, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Steph doesn't pop up on my thoughts and prayers because she doesn't need any, Not a one. Any God to help her through this life. <laughs> <laughs> so, I didn't know where that one was going. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either. 
I'm telling you, it all happens in the moment. What's your next thoughts and prayers? Oh my gosh. My next thoughts and prayers are for all of Data's bullies who have all been killed. (gasps) (laughs) Did you see Data's gadgets? That boy has murdered several people. (laughs) Oh my God. That's one of my thoughts and prayers. How did I you phrased say it? it differently, but I think I think yours is funnier. I said my thoughts and prayers go out to um, anyone subject to Data's wrath in the future, for I feel his mind will grow beyond what was ever destined for humans. <laughs> He's he. Those parents are not parenting him; they are taming him. <laughs> they are housing they are... Data. They are containing <laughs> Data. <laughs> Did you know his name in the movie is Richard? What? <laughs> they That's canonically not... all have actual names that I don't think are spoken in the movie. And his is Richard. <laughs> that sounds good. He goes fake. by Data, though. I f- no. You know what? I'm going to choose to believe that maybe the real villain here is Data's dad, who quite literally Do- said, you are my greatest invention. Maybe Data is like data's a robot yes yes data is the ash of the He's goonies like too. Gadget. for sure there's someone dead in his backyard that <laughs> yeah. man 100 percent. i believe it so dang um my next thoughts and prayers are for the goondocks police department that has been run ragged by chunks absolute bullshit (laughs) that cop was having none of it he has learned his lesson he knew his voice he's been burned before he was like no chunk was like i'm serious people have died and he was like no he's like please send someone and he's like the real (laughs) victims who have died because they assumed it was chunk (laughs) (laughs) go away chunk (laughs) someone died (laughs) Stop calling. Stop calling me. <laughs> Sick and tired of your voice, Chunk. Leave me alone. That that officer has nightmares. That's just Chunk calling 911 with more BS. Um, my next thoughts and prayers go out specifically to Jake Fratelli, who nobody wants to hear him sing, despite <laughs> him absolutely forcing it upon everyone. i'm surprised in that opening scene he didn't sing (laughs) given the way that in every following scene he's going there's a random ass scene of him with sloth just forcing him to listen to him sing (laughs) leaves (laughs) it doesn't go anywhere and then he meets chunk in the middle of the road and he just starts singing to him (laughs) that man I does wonder. not want a life of crime. He wants so badly to be a singer. He... That actor's a sing- like a, a, a trained opera singer in real life, by the way. I think that he added that bit to the character. <laughs> uh, my last thoughts and prayers is also for Jake Fratelli. <laughs> thoughts and prayers for Jake Fratelli, who, despite his best efforts, is incapable of earning his mother's love. 
that whole movie, his mom is just like, you're a burden to me and I wish you were never born. <laughs> and then Frances walks on stage and she's like, I love you, my baby boy. <laughs> it's like the Tenardiers with Eponine and Cosette. That's how he started his singing is he is out there outside of the shack singing. There is a castle on the cloud. <laughs> All right, that's my last one. What's your last one? So my thoughts and prayers, my last thoughts and prayers um, go out to parents everywhere who years later with their adult children at dinner will just casually learn that they went through heists like this, going through caves, running from criminals, um, befriending deformed hulks. How are you to take that information in as a parent over Thanksgiving and just be like, you did what? what? <laughs> While I was at work, you had dynamite? <laughs> you committed felonies? <laughs> like, it's just like... <laughs> movies like this where the kids go through so much and the parents never find out. Yeah. I'm just like, this comes up. Like, when they're adults and they're sharing, like, childhood stories. Yeah. What are they to do? How are they How to take, take this information in? in? You don't. They die. Uh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. You know what the next part is. It's the best part, worst part. It's the best part, worst part. For those that listened, thank you. And for those who skipped right to the end, we get you. Here it is, best part, worst part. Hey guys, welcome to the best part, worst part. This is the part that we know you skipped to. This is the part where we just give a quick little summary. A quick little, this was our favorite part and our least favorite parts of the movie. We try to keep it concrete. We try to pick specific moments or uh, parts of the movie. And we cannot pick the same part as each other. Um, fun fact, I think I have a best part. <laughs> And my worst part may break the rules. Uh, <laughs> I I feel like I know exactly how. Okay, I'll go first. Okay. The best part for me was the kids re- reuniting with their families on the beach. Oh. I just thought it was precious. I just thought it was well done. It was way more heartwarming and like less cliche than I thought it was going to be. That's very true. And it just really stood out to me. There's lots of fun moments for the movie. But that one, they ended on a really high note. <laughs> it really stood out to me. And so that was my best part. That's wonderful. Pretty simple. Yeah. My best part for me was the pirate ship reveal. It was so mm. fun. It was so fantastic. It was very grand. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's so cool that they had that, like they actually had that huge ship. Um, I think it really paid off. It looked amazing. It. I was, I think I like, threw my hands in the air when it came on screen because i was just excited Mm -hmm. (laughs) as the kids to finally see the pirate ship yeah um so yeah that was that was my favorite part okay so i do have a i have so my worst part is a concept and so i do have a scene as well if we don't want to allow my concept um but um, what i wrote down for my worst part was the fat phobia of it all yeah were and there I any, like, like, particular moments that you felt were, like, especially biting? 
I really didn't like whenever he was like actively in a life or death situation in which he was shown to be scared and be crying. And then he was eating ice cream whenever they set him down. And then they like took the, the ice cream from him and then he was trying to eat it off the spoon. And I was just like, can you guys? Yeah. No kid would do this. So I guess for me, the worst part was <laughs> the part where they had Andy, a fully established adult. For all intents and purposes. Uh, kiss a child, Mikey. Didn't like it. Not- they also, they were silhouettes. Yeah. They were silhouettes. There was no reason for them to actually have like you, those Sean two Astin. actors kiss. Yes. Yeah, no reason. Um, Rebecca, was this movie worth the hype for you? Not for me. Um, it okay. was hyped up as best movie ever. It'll make your childhood. It, uh, you will watch this. And after that, like the world will be right again. And this movie single-handedly raised an entire generation while working a job and and with a baby on a hip. And I just, I, it just for me, it didn't live up to the expectation. I feel like I've had too many people in my life be like, say that it's their favorite movie. So I was expecting more of like a cinematic, like art piece. And then the nostalgia, like on top of that. But as we discussed earlier, it seems to be pretty much pure nostalgia that has made this movie so loved. So yeah, for me personally, it wasn't worth the hype. I had a good time watching it. But yeah, not for me. Sure. What about you, Jamin? For you, was it was it worth the hype? (laughs) It was for me. I don't know if it was quite hyped up that level for me. Mm-hmm. It's more so post-watching when I've done my research that I've seen how like beloved it is on yeah. this level. Yeah. I just knew that it was an iconic movie mm-hmm. and that it was a fun like adventure movie and that Stranger Things takes a lot from it. And I'm a big Stranger Things fan. Yeah. So just with that level of expectation, it met all of those. And I was just like, it was a lot of fun. I liked all the kids. I liked the little adventure. It was a good movie. I felt that the script, I felt the story was pretty good. I felt the pacing in the script was pretty good. And it just like had a few weak spots and it had some problematic things in there that I didn't love. But like overall, I was like, this was fun. I had a good time with it. Right on. And so like based just on like what my expectation was going Mm. into it, it met that. Yeah. So it was worth the hype for me. You and I are always at odds on these episodes. Truly a yin and yang situation here. (laughs) A dyad in the forest. A dyad in the forest. Next week we're watching Forrest Gump. Um, so kind of two doozies in a row. I feel that Forrest Gump is another very like the, uh, the whole premise of the podcast is we is we're covering some pretty iconic movies, but there's like some that are like very iconic, like top one hundred movies kind of iconic. Yep. And I feel that like Goonies is one of those, and I feel that Forrest Gump is definitely one of those. Um, yes, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in for another episode of Late to the Watch Party. I really enjoyed this discussion. And I kind of, like, I thought it was even more fruitful that we didn't fully agree on it. Not to throw a Christian term around, like, fruitful. But um, we thank you for listening in. As always, there's a little prompt, if you're listening on Spotify, that just kind of says, what did you think of this movie? What did you think of this review? And you get like a certain amount of characters. You can just respond on there. No pressure. Just a fun way for us to interact with you. Um, Please rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to. Just helps boost us to more people who might connect with this material. And we get to share this journey with them. And you can find us on all of our socials. I would just recommend going to our Instagram, Late to the Watch Party. 
um, at Late to the Watch Party, and there's a link there where you can find a link to our Twitter and our Pinterest and our TikTok and everything. Reach out to us if you want to connect with us. We always love to chat and hear from you guys. Um, I have a specific message to our UK listeners. Who are you? Please, (laughs) Please email us in and give us a biography because... We're curious. <laughs> What's your story? And do you want to be a guest on the podcast? Okay, we still haven't figured out a way to end this thing, guys. So bye. Bye. But. <clears throat> oh, jeez. What movie is this? The Goonies. The Goonies. That's right. Um. I have a couple things to say up front. First of all, have you ever... Do you know the Cinnabon little delights at Taco Bell? I used to love those. Yes. I just kind of have... um, I don't know who I need to get in contact with. Maybe they're listening to this podcast. Whoever's behind the choices regarding those, I have questions for. Because I don't know if you've ever ordered... Choices meaning, oh, the so yeah, I don't know if you've ever ordered them, but they offer two amounts. They offer you can get two, you can get two little, two little cinnamons, or you can get 12. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if there's anything in this world that I have ever said I could go for two or 12. (laughs) Get you're either alone or you're at a party, those are your options.